Conspiracies, communists and cows Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel It's a podcast where a comedian who's never read a Marvel comic book before In his life watches a Marvel movie and TV show And then quizzes another comedian This one is a Marvel expert This one was taught to read with Marvel comics It is the yin and the yang of the Marvel experience Welcome to the show My name's Rob Halden, I'm a comedian, I'm a writer But I'm also the Marvel expert in the chair, in the hot seat, in the equation And on the other seat, not the hot seat, the cold seat It's a man who's powered exclusively by ignorance It's Mr Will Preston I can't feel my bum, the seat's too cold Could you please let me sit in the warm seat? <laughs> Never in the hot seat is Willie P <laughs> um, And here we go as we are just really smashing our way through the summer months here On MVM with our Secret Invasion special episode uh, Taking a look at what you need to know about the Secret Invasion From the world of the Marvel comic books Um, That's what we're getting into in this episode Coming up, we'll go behind the scenes on the making of the brand new Disney Plus MCU show We'll take you behind the page on the creation of the Skrulls and their secret invasion. We'll examine the comic book conspiracy that cost Nick Fury his job. We'll dive into Captain America's British allies in World War II, the history and tragedy of the Skrull Empire, and that time that the Fantastic Four turned a bunch of people into cows. It's all still to come on that MVM cast. Uh, Will Preston, how are we... um how are we enjoying the Secret Invasion? I, I'm really so liking far, it. I, I midway through. I, I, I uh, I'm, I'm on the third episode, uh, and I'm liking not just because it, in the latest one they go to Portsmouth, which is my hometown, <laughs> which I found quite odd. I was like, did he just say Portsmouth? <laughs> but no, I, 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 I really am enjoying man, it. This you? is a the, simple man. You like I'm a reference, a, look, and you like I like a, a little acknowledgement. Just. Just jingle the car keys in my face. I'll be happy. Uh, no, I, 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 I knew when we when I first started digging into what this could be, and I was thinking, oh, this could be the Cold War esque uh, proper cloak and dagger espionage stuff. And so far, it's pretty much been that. Obviously, it's not going to go full John Le Carre, you know, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's not going to be that because it's obviously it's superheroes, and you got to have it for a more Carrie, general audience. I Oh, that's the second. You're the second person to correct me on the pronounce. It's John John Le Carre. I'm such an idiot. I think so, yeah. Anyway, John Le Carre. Do you know what yeah. that mean tran- translated means? What? John Le Carre in English is John the Carry. That's one of my favourite jokes. Sorry, carry on. Did, didn't even need <laughs> translating. <laughs> I will. I will carry on. Oh, John Le Carry on. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh... Boo! What I what I really enjoyed was I came away from one of the episodes and going, it was great. Almost no action in that one, and I was like, this is what I want. I want suspense. I want intrigue. Mm. I don't want like uh, other other films and superhero uh, and TV shows do the superhero stuff with the explosions and the mad sci-fi stuff. This one, I want it more character driven and suspense, and it's it's been mostly that for me. Suspicion and betrayals and gunshots oh, and yes. dark alleyways. Yes, this is what um, I wanted. It's been delightfully more sort of um, dark and intense and kind of mature than I think we've yeah. had from, you know, for example, the Ms. Marvel and the She-Hulk stuff, which I loved in different different ways. Mm. Um, I think, though, a lot of people 
Oh, you, you can't really uh, just ignore everybody online because uh, everybody's professionally bad faith wrong about everything. Um, I just, yeah, I think, it, and it hasn't been like you know an awful lot. Of the criticism of Marvel is there's too many jokes, too many <laughs> fun things for us to enjoy. I hated that um, film; it was too enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- this is a completely different level. There's a, it's the yeah. what what the, the driving force of the comedy is Sam Samuel L. Jackson's sarcasm in it, um, which is uh, a lot of fun. And Olivia Coleman stuff is very funny as well mm. um, and enjoyable. Um, yeah, we're going to dive into this one, get through, and then we've also going to let you know about the next episode the next deep dive that we're doing well preston it's going to be the first movie ever of a major marvel character maybe (laughs) the biggest marvel character of all time their first film that's what we're diving into details on that at the end of the show you don't want to miss it um really excited uh, for the next few episodes because at summer months because we're so close will so close to Infinity War. Oh, you can almost taste it. You can almost taste the crushing ending. <laughs> Infinity War's coming in August. Um, we're nearly, very nearly there. Yeah. Big blockbuster um, big blockbuster events here on the show. It's nice to be back in the MCU p- p- proper. I mean, we had a nice little time with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and th- that, but that's like, that feels like a million miles away. Like we get Samuel L. Jackson cameo in that, didn't we, in the first episode? Yeah, that was that was a that was a nice cameo. And and then now we get a very different Marvel universe, a very different depiction of the of the players in in this kind of spy game. Shield nowhere to be seen in uh, in this. Very mm. interesting the um, discrepancies between them. Um, oh, and a big thing we need to let you all know about is that in the month of July. For a limited time, you can get a seven-day free trial of our bonus content on Patreon. Um, you can explore all our bonus shows from the mega deep dives that we do every month to the fun mini shows, including Obscure Marvel, uh, which is just a laugh right that me and Will have every single month looking at weird, wild, and wacky characters and stories from the Marvel Universe. So you'll get seven days of bonus MVM content for free if you head to Patreon dot com slash marvel versus marvel look for the viep tier which is the bonus episode tier and that's where the free trial it's plain as day when you go onto the site you'll be able to sign up for that get yourself seven days of bonus content from the boys at mvm much like eight-year-old indiana jones i have a map in my hands and I'm following its cryptic and bizarre, confusing clues <laughs> back to a land never heard of for millions. That people said is a myth and doesn't exist. And I'm crawling through the muck and the mire with a torch in my teeth, trying to uncover dusty, creaky remnants that is the mind of Will Preston, the ignorant, <laughs> the ignorant uh, kind of tomb that is the inside of his mind. I really, and I really raiding it for its secrets. I really love that you've managed to link in what we were talking about before we started <laughs> recording this podcast. Yes, the mind so in the mm. mind of the Muggle, and that's the genius, the secret of the dichotomy of this show. I was raised with Marvel comics, taught to read using them. I've known these characters my entire life. I view them in a very different way, and I need the perspective of a muggly mind like Will. Preston to help me help you get to the bottom of what all these characters are about. So, Will, had you ever before 
the Captain Marvel movie. Um, had you ever come across or heard of shapeshifting green scrolls in the Marvel the Marvel Comics way? I don't think I ever heard of scrolls. Uh, not mm. not. At all. I mean, when Cap- when the Captain Marvel was coming out, obviously. I looked online and said, "Oh, she fights against the shape shifting scrolls," and I was like, "Ooh, that could that could introduce a nice, interesting factor, if you will, a dimension into the Marvel universe. You know, who's who's a scroll and who's not." Mm. Yeah. And how did you how did you feel on the back end of Captain Marvel? Then were you interested? You know, did you want because it felt like we left the scrolls alone then for ages? It did. It really did. I mean, we'll we'll cover more of that when we'll eventually we get on to Captain Marvel, which I'll really look forward to. It it did feel like they just sort of got put on the back burner for a bit, and then it was like a nice little nod at the end of uh, Spider Man Far From Home, and that was it. And I was just sort of going. Right, so we've got some scrolls who are definitely not the bad guys uh, we've established, uh, and they're sort of hiding amongst human society, and we're just going to ignore that for now until we know what we're going to do with them later. <laughs> it does feel that like because, yeah. like, rather, these movies take a lot of take their inspiration for what they're trying to do. They're connected tissues, they're yeah. connected threads from the Marvel universe. The Marvel comic books, sorry. Yeah. And in the Marvel comic books, we get the continuation of things every month. Well, what's happening in the movies is they're setting things up and then it's years until they get back to them just because of the nature of movies. And these things aren't addressed in every, you know, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi doesn't address something that we saw happen in Eternals or Eternals doesn't address something to do with the scrolls and vice versa. So it it does feel like, we just get years and it feels like things have been uh, forgotten or mm. abandoned when in actuality you're just waiting for the next one of these movies to pick up the thread and and run with it again but it can feel disconnecting sometimes it, it, I, I i totally get that i was just thinking just now wouldn't it be great if after captain marvel all the follow-up films maybe just like one little glimpse or one little scene where where you someone might be a scroll or something or just something yeah. to remind you that they're there in the background they exist to build up to this build up but it did feel like shump right no mention of it unless we really need to okay and i'm looking on retrospect that could have been so so much cooler to do that but you know there's a, a, a lot of criticism that comes down on things like the Eternals are going oh no so no other Marvel film is going to mention the Eternals and the Celestials it's, well I know what you yeah, I know what you mean that's much easier to handle in a Marvel comic mm. where next month you get your answer or next month all the other all the other comics can kind of have a brief mention of it um, but it's so much harder like obviously we're waiting for the next Eternals movie or TV series or whatever to deal with Eternal stuff and if that's three years away, <laughs> it feels like have we forgotten all of this? It's so, it's 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 it feels like what they've created now is so massive. It's not. It's almost like it's not the same as Phase One, where you know they built everything um, to the Avengers. Yeah, and it's not even the same as like the first Infinity kind of cycle where it felt like things were building very slowly in stages mm. um there's a lot more things being left it feels like left dangling yeah and I, I wonder yeah. if maybe that's where these tv shows could kind of pick up the pace a little bit and could be the thing that could but it still takes years to make a tv show <laughs> so it's very hard isn't it it's very hard to kind of use 
such a the slow process of movie making to deliver what people are after. Yeah. Um, yeah, very odd. And when this, show, this series was announced, what were your... Because the main thrust was Secret Invasion, we know it's Skrulls, and the return of Nick Fury. How did you feel about that? Have you been missing Samuel L. Jackson? I... I, 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 I did make me realise that we haven't had a solo Sam, uh, Nick Fury project within the MCU. He's always been a supporting character, uh, f- f- essentially, more or less. So it, it, it did make me think, oh, good, we're going to see uh, a Nick Fury thing. I didn't really know much about what was going to go on apart from, oh, there's there's scrolls and it's like, you know, something like that. I mean, the, the name just says it all, Secret Invasion. We're being invaded, but it's happening in secret. And I thought, eh, this could be fun. This could be good. I mean, it didn't get me... It wasn't until I heard it was going to be like a proper spy thriller that I then started salivating. That's interesting. Yeah. So the actual invasion thing didn't really... Did you ever see any of those older <laughs> sci-fi TV shows like The Invaders or uh, V? Oh, where, yeah, I watched have V. Have you seen any... I watched V. The Invaders is really good as well because that's that's mm. a, that's like a... It's 1960s, and it but it feels like it's a 50s conspiracy thing. Nice, and it's this. It's almost like the fugitive TV show mm. where there's one man that knows the truth, and then every episode he goes, he tries to tell the world about the aliens that are amongst them, uh, and it's, it's just. But that level of that has always been to me. I remember seeing an awful lot of those things when I was a kid, mm. but specifically the Invaders TV series. Super, super creepy. Yeah. Super creepy. The idea that there, you can't. And invade, I would have seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers as well. With 1970s um, one. I, no, I would have seen the, the, the black and white one when I was a kid. I never saw that um, one. I saw the and then 70s I one. I did see the 70s one as well much later. Oh, God, but yeah. the idea that, that, that they're amongst us and they're with us. Um, and then. I have strong memories of sneak. It felt like a, a thing to do because I, I remember hearing you can't watch V. V's horrifying, and but my my mates' uh, parents had the video, and we got home from school one day, and his mom was looking after. Because what used to happen is my best mate lived three doors down from me, yeah, and so our parents shared childcare, but his mom was a nurse that worked nights. So while she was looking after us, she was fast asleep upstairs all day. Um, and so we'd be able to watch whatever we wanted, really. And yeah. I can remember watching V and the the seeing a human eating that rat. The just that pig. whole gross, <laughs> the guinea pig thing, that's it. Um, what what did you feel like when you saw that? Grossed out and grotesque, but it, it but it's 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 yeah. Yeah, it, there's something distinctively creepy about Thinking someone is like you, yeah. and then something very, very alien or very far, kind of yeah, happens with them, and it's, it's um, but but what was nice about V, like the Invaders, was this slow. Uh, you knew there were aliens, but it was like, oh, we're here to help you. And yeah, that, that twist was really powerful. It was, it was good. Um, I mean, I, I, of course, I only watched that fairly recently in the last couple of years, and when that um. That scene with Jane Bradley, where she, where she her mouth just comes obviously you can see the special effects, yeah. but I, I I think I just howled with laughter and clapped because it's just like it's at the time must have been horrific. But oh, so you saw it as an adult? I saw, I saw it as an adult, and oh, I'm there going, it was oh. scarring as a child. I can imagine that being horrifying. But as an as an adult, I'm there going like, oh, fantastic! This is brilliant. I love it. And how about um, the faculty? Uh, I, Rodriguez's I, alien kind of. Uh, body snatchers style um, 
uh, kind of teen movie. I never saw it, and I'm now writing that down on lists of films to see. <laughs> the faculty. No, I, it, I heard it's it good. Have, it, it would have aged. It would have aged, and probably, probably a bit poorly. Yeah. Um, it was written by the same guy that wrote Scream and Dawson's Creek, I think. Ah, um, okay. I can't think of his name. Some, Kevin Williamson, something like that. Something like that. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why did he repeat something like that? <laughs> I'm your echo, Rob. <laughs> okay. Um, and that has again those elements of who do we trust? We can't. Yeah. We can't trust this person. We can't trust that person. And slowly, all the people in the school are revealed to be. It's um, yeah, not 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 as amazing as the those kind of very disturbing things from the past. But I, I think that resonates with me, and I'm guessing it resonates with you. The idea that yeah. they're among us, and we don't know who we can trust. Um, and you also uh, before this um, series was even announced, you watched. Um, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I did. Which has in the... Is it the second series? I think so. It has the secret invasion. I, th- I think I remember... God, I'm trying to remember what I saw in... Um, I-, I went through it so quickly and binged it. I th- I think I remember the secret invasion happening in it. We, we get to the end of series one, I think. Mm. Big spoiler alert, big spoiler alert, big spoiler alert. We get to the end of series one. Mm. And uh, just as everything's been sorted and settled with the Avengers and have saved the world... Captain America is revealed to be a scroll. Yeah. Um, and then that plays out, you know, kind of in, in, in bit by bit, episode by episode. Um, so uh, did that, that obviously, but you can't remember it, so it obviously didn't leave a big impact on you. No, I, I, I got through it. Very, I remember some bits of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I remember enjoying it. Also, we're going through old films and we didn't mention They Live. Didn't mention They Live. Yes, that's true. That's true. It's just because, again, it's because I came to it as a teenager uh, and not a child. I'm, I'm just. I'm I, the thing. I, I enjoy that movie. It's a knockabout fun movie. But for me, the things that mm. left an indelible mark are the ones that scared me. Yeah. That I saw when I was young, and they weren't even not, the Invaders. Is a. It's like a primetime TV show in, in, in from the sixties. It's not a. It's not like a graphic, scary movie, but it or scary TV show. But it left a real mark on me. Mm. Um, but yes, you're right. They live where the. Um, the indelible Roddy Piper talks about chewing bubblegum. Um, so the groundwork is laid as we look to the muggly mind of Will Preston <laughs> as we careen into Secret Invasion. Surviving our trip into his muggly mind, Mr. Will Preston will transform into Mr. Hollywood, where he will he's the only man equipped to dive into the trash cans, the rubbish bins, the dumpsters of Hollywood to bring us behind-the-scenes dirt stories and notes on this uh, Disney show. Mr. Hollywood, what can you tell us? Mr. Hollywood, it's like, it's like a, I'm like a scroll, but I can only transform into one person. One person. Who happens to also look like me. Uh, well... There, there is a scroll I haven't got. I haven't got. There's a lot of scroll stuff I haven't got in this episode, but there is a scroll that just loved the Beatles and became... <laughs> <laughs> he just became a composite of all the Beatles, and he was called uh, John the Scroll. John the Scroll, um, oh. and he just he worked with the um, uh, MI13, which is Britain's secret service yeah. with superpowered people. Yeah. And he just looked like one of the. He just looked like Sergeant Pepper the whole time. He was great. That's, that that reminds me. On the internet, someone combined. I will get onto the production notes of this in a second. Uh, someone combined the faces of all the Beatles into one. And called it the Beetle. <laughs> what what did it look like? It it looked like uh, Howard Wallowitz from from the Big Bang. <laughs> looked, uh. looked like Howard Wallowitz from the Big Bang Theory. 
<laughs> anyway, let's start from the beginning. Nick Fury had previously been one of 10 properties announced in September 2005 by Marvel Entertainment chairman and CEO Avi Arad as being developed for, for film by the newly formed studio Marvel Studios after Marvel received financing to produce the slate of films to be distributed by Paramount Pictures. Andrew W. Marlowe was hired to write a script for a Nick Fury film in April 2006, a script which was never used. <laughs> That, and then you talked about how we never got that movie. Yeah. Um, and that kind of actually weirdly mirrors Nick Fury in the Marvel in the Marvel comics. We get the the Stanley uh, Jack Kirby kind of series mm. um, agent. Well, it's not even a series; it's half a comic. <laughs> in Tales of Suspense, he shares the comic with uh, maybe Iron Man or somebody else. Mm. And then later on, we get the incredibly well thought of and received and critically acclaimed Jim Starenko Nick Fury series but but outside of that by the time you get into the 70s a, he, he's he's a background player um and throughout you know you get to the odd mini series here and there but Nick Fury really is better in 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 the role as the guy that swaggers in and you know and, and has got the secrets and has got the the dope and has got the mission and can save you in a jam but then he's not like some characters are too big to be there all the time mm. i remember when um alan moore was writing league of extraordinary gentlemen oh yes people were clamoring for um sherlock holmes to be involved <laughs> and of course of course <laughs> Big laugh from Will there. No, no, because I've I've read them so many times. I'm there going, oh god, he he was barely involved in that comic, and people clamouring for Sherlock Holmes to be involved is hilarious. And there were a couple of reasons. One was that yeah. in the very distinct period that for some reason Alan had chosen, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is dead. Yeah, um, he chose the period in between uh, of years where he'd been killed off and not brought back. Uh, but also, he did say like he's just too overwhelming of a character. Yeah. If Sherlock Holmes were in these stories, he'd be the leader of the team, yep. he'd always have the answer, and he'd always <laughs> save the day. And he just, he gets diminished by being there all the time. Yeah. And it drags things away from other characters. And I think Nick Fury is one of those, one of those you want him to be enigmatic and mysterious, and you want him to be the coolest guy ever. So you kind of want him to come in here and there, yeah. rather than as much as we, I, I do genuinely love Samuel L. Jackson, and I love the way he plays his character, and I'm loving him in this series. Like he's playing it in a very fun, different, interesting way. Like you know when you meet those those men that are like grandparents and no longer care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're great, and that's what Sam's doing. Anyway. Yeah, I that, this is this is the thing with these kind of characters. I I always love seeing like an older version of them. Like we didn't really get much of that with James Bond. I got a, I got I remember reading a book featuring an older James Bond. It was quite interesting. I want to see I want to see a game of older Lara Croft. She's in her 50s. She's got an eye patch. You know, she's still kicking ass. She she hasn't dyed her hair. It's going grey. I want to see that. I want to see older <laughs> Lara Croft. <laughs> And, uh, anyway, let's continue. I'm trying to think of a pun. I can't Go on, you pun. can do it. You can do it. No. No, nah, I really can't. Carry on. So it's like me where I interrupt you and they're going, oh, sorry, I can't think of something. Oh, boy. Anyway, in April... It feels like it should be so obvious. It's so obvious. Raider. No. Let's carry let's on. Let's carry on. <laughs> so let's not stick, stick around with old Tomb Raider. 
In April 2019, after Samuel Jackson had portrayed Nick Fury in 10 Marvel Cinematic Universe films, as well as the Marvel television series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Richard Newby from The Hollywood Reporter felt it was time the character received his own film, calling the character the MCU's most powerful asset yet to be fully untapped. Marvel Studios chose to make a Secret Invasion series instead of a film because it allowed them to do something different than they had done before. The series gives the creatives the chance to play the story out over six hour long episodes instead of confirmed, conf, uh, confined to a single two and a half hour movie. It's a very good point that I, I always find with some of these, <clears throat> some, some things just play out better in a series. You get more space Com- to breathe. Completely, especially something that's like a conspiracy or a mystery. Oh, God, because you, you do if you're doing a mystery film, it's all about leading up to a big twist or something. And this yeah. is twist after twist after twist after twist. And so you yeah. need that sense of cliffhanger. So, uh, there, there are obviously some... I mean, I immediately think of like The Third Man, which is just uh, like a, a really... It's really short and yet a glorious mystery. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, mystery movies. Are not like whodunits and things. We don't tend to get too many whodunit movies anymore. Of course, Knives Out. Yeah. Sort of, sort of brought that back a little bit. Yeah, the only other um, one that sort of tried to do it and kind of failed was uh, See How They Run, which wasn't great, sadly. Is that in the theatre? That's the one in the... Well, no, it's not in the theatre. It's based on the mousetrap, basically. It's it's the one with Sam Rockwell. Oh, yeah, Rockwell. I, quite liked, I, I quite liked it. I quite liked it. I like Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell. I thought he was good, but I just, it, it just felt like it needed more. And it, uh, I don't know. I'm fussy. But anyway, what were you going to say, young man? No, I was done talking. You were done talking, Rob. You were done. done, done, done. You'll know when I've got something to say because I'll just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how I live my life, Will. When I have something to say, I open my mouth and say it. I sounded like someone who's like sat on a porch going, I have something. If I have something to say, I say it. <laughs> Hashtag don't put your hand up. <laughs> just speak your piece. Just yell things. In December 2020, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige officially announced new series called Secret Invasion, based on the 2008 to 2009 comic book storyline of the same name, with Jackson co-starring with Ben Mendelsohn in his MCU of MCU role of Talos. It was announced that Kyle Bradstreet would be developing the series and would serve as showrunner. Now, Kyle Bradstreet' uh, previous work is written and produced episodes of Borgia, Copper, Mister Robot, and Berlin Station, which I believe is an espionage show, Cold War espionage show, Berlin Station, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and to be and to be fair, Mister Robot is packed with mystery mm. and twists and things, and the Borgia is the same. Yeah, I I tried, I gave Mister Robot a go, and I didn't gel with it. I don't know why. Everyone was raving about it, and I gave give it a go, didn't didn't gel with it. I yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's I I, I really think it's very very. It's like the best thing. Amazon is it was it Amazon Prime wasn't it yeah yeah it was the or the insert maybe that's the only way we saw it in this I think it was Amazon Prime original it's I think it's the best show they've done it was uh, oh, really great and won loads of awards and stuff yeah I'll give it another go because there were things I liked about it but it just wasn't grabbing me anyway during a press event in promotion of the One Division premiere Feed responded to questions regarding if the Secret Invasion TV series will match the scope of the comic series in terms of total characters and impact on the Marvel universe he said. Well, 
There were more characters in the Secret Invasion comic series than there were in Endgame, so no. It's not that, but it very much is a showcase for Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn and tapping into the paranoid elements of the Secret Invasion comic series that was great with the twists and turns that it took. So that's certainly our focus more than can we cram in more characters than Endgame. The thing about the Secret Invasion comics As we handled, yeah. Well, 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 only on the bonus show. Um, Indeed. The actual fight the aliens event bit is probably is not the best bit. The best bit is this run up to mm. it. Is all the twists and the turns and the secrets and who is on whose side and what does the conspiracy mean? And the ending is really really awesome as well. Um, but so I, I kind of I, yeah picking up. For, I would as a comic book fan, I feel quite happy with that like i don't need the great big fight in the middle i find that about a lot of the uh the comic book crossovers are like oh the setup is so good and then they have a fight and the good guys like the fight is almost secondary really mm. it's like all this cool stuff happened and then we have the big fight and then the avengers win <laughs> but all the interesting stuff is normally what what's the plan what's the plot mm. what's being done to them who are the antagonists and how is that all how are all those wheels turning yeah yeah. During a press event in promotion of the One Division premiere, features. Nope, oh, sorry, I just did this, that. Mate, oh my god! Reading it again. I've always been scared of doing that because I keep looking at my notes. Happened. Your worst nightmare has finally come true. And do you know what the on be- a sunny day when when the worst thing you can think happens, and then you go, "Oh, the world didn't end." It's actually quite nice. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The world's not. You know, day's not over yet, mate. Who knows what's going to happen next? No, no, no. I'm more confident now. Uh, I've made my one mistake of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's impossible to make a second mistake. That's the rule of reality. Director Ali Selim said, The series transitions at times between espionage noir and a western, with the series being inspired by the Cold War era's espionage novels of <clears throat> John Le Carre, the spy-based television series Homeland, and The Americans, and the... Uh, the seminal film noir movie, as you said, The Third Man. Have you ever read a uh, John Le Carre, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, or any of those? I have. I've read the book. I've seen the film. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, Tinker Tailor yeah. and a couple of other more modern ones he he, he wrote as well. Yeah. Um, a Most Wanted Man and things. I think I tried, I think, no, I saw A Constant Gardener. I didn't read it. Mm. Um, but I got into a, a spate where he's just got some very, there's a very lovely way of writing, Le Carre. Um, yeah, I, I loved the realistic, obviously it's, it's one of those uh, stories where you get the idea that he either worked for the Secret Service or did his research because oh he no he hundred percent did he did, he did yeah, but it's he, like he's spoken about it yeah it's just he gives the atmosphere especially in the film the more recent film adaptation where it's like it's just it's it's not high tech and exciting it's literally a pu- paperwork public sector <laughs> office filled yeah. with dull men and it's like yes this is brilliant i remember he gave some public statements when all kind of the guantanamo bay and the waterboarding stuff yeah. was in the news and he just said, that is, in my experience as, you know, a spy, 
the least effective, least useful thing you could possibly do to extract secrets from someone. Because what happens is they'll just tell you anything you want to hear. Mm. So the only way, he's like, I've done this for, I don't exact <laughs> quotes, but he's like, I did this for many, many, many years against the best people in the business. The only way to conduct the spy game is to build relationships. Yep. To win trust and confidence, and and just get them to to um, want to help you, which is just a, a wonderful thing and a weird thing to read while it's all waterboarding and torture and stuff. It's like, yeah, no, that won't help you in the slightest. Yeah, because there were loads of cases of people making false uh, confessions and Tons. stuff. Yeah, because yeah. like it's it's it, yeah, you catch more flies with honey, mate, don't you? Yeah. Oh God, I loved ah, oh, I love that stuff. That whole like. I don't want to keep using the word espionage, but that kind of thing where it's like you've got the ulterior motive and you're charming people to get them on side. How oh. about we buy your whole family a lovely house <laughs> and move you anywhere you want to go and give you money? That's what we'll do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big addict uh, of the uh, podcast uh, Behind the Bastards. And there's so much of this kind of stuff that happens throughout history of bad people, of you know, charming people, and getting people on mm. side so you can get get one over on them. It's 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 insane how effective it works. While waterboarding is just unnecessarily cruel and hopefully, uh, is it illegal? Oh, what's illegal, mate? I, I mean, it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be a war crime, but I think it still happens. Let's not go down that path. Let's get back to the. Let's get back to the production. <laughs> now, this part I'm very, very interested in talking about. The opening title sequence was created by Method Studios using generative artificial intelligence, which prompted significant backlash online. Some commentators felt that this was particularly poor timing given the series was released during the 2023 Writers Guild of America strike, for which the use of artificial intelligence over real people was a key issue. Ali Selim, the show's director, said in regards to this choice, when we reached out to the AI vendors, that was part of it. It just came right out of the shape-shifting scroll world identity, you know. Who did this? Who is this? We would talk to them about ideas and themes and words, and then the computer would go off and do something, and then we could, cha could change it a little bit by using words, and it would change. Right, so... Uh, 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 shall we talk about the, uh, the, the, the title sequence later, or shall we talk about it now? I don't know. Do it now if you want. Yeah, that's, I think that's now. It's a good, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. I I liked it. I hate AI art. I absolutely despise it. But this worked so well because of the theme, the context, and the theme of the show. You don't know who, what's real, what's not. So you get this sort of uncanny valley of Samuel Jackson's face. It's not quite. So it worked perfectly for the context of the show. Also, have you ever? Oh, what, what did you think? All right, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I I'm. I agree with you. That being said, and I know what their argument, I've read their arguments for doing it. I believe you have to draw a very hard, definite line in the sand on AI yes. and not have it cross at all. I believe it is a slippery slope in creative fields. So whilst it did work, I, if I was involved in any stage of this, would have been fighting tooth and nail to not have it happen yeah it's an interesting one um as some of you might know uh when i'm not uh talking and annoying rob with with podcast stuff during the day i work in the tech industry and i've worked with ais and uh i i, I work with a medical ai in my last job and uh, i have uh, been using not chat gpt but the google google's own called google bard 
and to play around and it can help with logical things but anything creative it does not know what to do and i i listened to again behind the bars this great episode about ai stuff basically um ai won't do can't can't write a good story it can't do this because it has no desire to it has no desire good stories are written out of desire to write a good story and ai is just glancing at other things and trying to make a photocopy basically and already it's muddied its own waters because the art it's created is now part of the pool it's grabbing from so you're getting this feedback loop of faded photocopy it's like the uh, stormtroopers in new hope yes. versus the stormtroopers in attack of the clones yeah in Attack of the Clones, they're perfect copies of Django. Mm. Uh, come New Hope, they're photocopies of a photocopy. They could never hit anybody. Yep. They can't shoot Can't shoot straight. They, uh, absolutely, this is the case. But there are in, in the only use I've found, apart from this, for the creative industry, uh, for AI, is to basically write NPC dialogue in video games. <laughs> You know, when you're walking, say you're in Skyrim, you're walking through a town and a, and a villager will go like, ah, I, I lost all my coins down the drain the other day. That kind of inane chattier here. That's the only good use I could think of for AI. Uh, creative predictive tech stuff. Yeah, yeah just predictive tech stuff. I mean, which is essentially what an awful lot of these AIs are. Yeah. It's just predicting the next word. Sure, they're getting better, but I don't think they'll... I don't it's wonderful. Th- I listened to a great... Uh, this American Life did a podcast uh, um, about it. And uh, they analysed one of the very good advantages. I think it was chatted before. They got to the very, very end of it. <laughs> and the guy who started out as a hard line like, this is definitely not real intelligence, don't be stupid. Yeah. By the end of it, he went, the most worrying thing that's happened to me is not only am I very, very close to saying this is intelligence, uh, it's made me worried about our own intelligence. <laughs> I think we all think of us as having like this um, unique incredible intelligence Mm. i actually have a feeling what if we're just like it what if all human intelligence actually is is predicting the next word (laughs) Um, and he just terrified himself it was great that's interesting it's interesting anyway what did um what did the uh after the backlash what did the 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 marvel studios gonna say about it all i was was literally just gonna say it's like responding to the back online backlash against the title sequence method studios released a statement saying No artist's jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools. Instead, they complemented and assisted our creative teams. Method Studios' team of designers skillfully leveraged the power of both existing and custom AI technologies to apply the otherworldly and alien look. The entire process, guided by expert art direction, encompassed the initial storyboard phase, illustration, AI generation, 2D, 3D animation, and culminated in the final compositing stage. This is the thing. AI... This kind of AI shouldn't and hopefully won't replace jobs, but it can help make some jobs easier. And that's how it should be. As someone else said to me once, it uh, actually it was my tattooist when I was getting my new tattoo the other day. He said, it's like <laughs> it's like fig- someone figuring out how to use the, the functionality in Excel spreadsheet to do the auto some stuff. And the manager goes, oh, great. I'll just fire 10 of you because I don't need to do that. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's that's not going to replace someone. That's just making their job easier so they're not stressed all the time doing repetitive stuff. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be drawing a hard line personally, but you might. I think you're probably quite valid that in the way it 
could be used, but I think we need a lot more regulations before oh, we can start using it in jobs. I totally agree. Need regulation, but also need to recognise that it's a tool, not something to replace people with. It's just to help people so they're not stressed all the time. People need to be happy at their jobs, Rob. Yeah. Um, are you aware of the history of capitalism? <laughs> uh, we're, we're living, uh, that's not we're living that's in it. Not, yeah. That's not what's going to happen. I know, but... Uh, I've, mm, no. Uh, I'm not going to go on a rant. Anyway, Mr. Hollywood continues. <laughs> Sp- speaking about her role in the show and her debut in the MCU, Olivia Coleman said, I've been asking if I can join it for ages. I've been phoning my agent. I have loved watching all these films, particularly since having children. My two oldest are now teenagers. And we watch them all together. So I would have said yes to anything they'd give me in this, actually. Have you? I felt in the first episode, mm. I didn't think uh, that Olivia Coleman suited the dialogue she'd been given, and I felt it felt quite clunky, and that she didn't believe the words she was saying. Yeah. In the subsequent episodes, I felt she's been wonderful and yeah. a really good fit. Um, perhaps it was just me. Perhaps it was just me and how I was viewing the first episode. I don't know. It, it could have been that because it, it's almost like getting into a hot bath or something. It's like you're easing into the character. <laughs> Describing Sophie from Peep Show as a hot bath. (laughs) Talking about Nick Fury's first MCU solo project, Samuel Jackson said, My biggest concern with Marvel was trying to keep them from killing me more than anything else. I kind of like the gig. When they called me in to tell me what's going on, I always thought they were trying to kill me. They didn't let me go to Wakanda, which I was kind of upset about. How could Nick Fury not know about Wakanda? I always wanted to tell the story about who Nick was before... He had these superhero friends when he lived in the shadow world as a spy and how he connected with these people. Secret Invasion is not a superhero movie. It's gritty and dark. How did you feel about the revelation in episode three that Nick Fury is actually rubbish at his job and would be nothing without secret network of shape-shifting scroll spies everywhere? Uh, I wasn't. I'm not sure how hot I was on that. It felt like they just handed him a job. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things. I'm just like, no, no. I'm going to wait for the whole series to end before, because you know, you don't know what what's twist and what isn't in waiting. If that makes sense. Yeah, I do find it weird to have a shield that Nick Fury didn't build anyway. I think that's just that's bizarre. Like he's just a guy that came along halfway halfway through. And just like I'll join Shield, I just find that peculiar. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that's it's, it's, it, I take it in the comics he starts Shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they take liberties and they change things. You know, well, you know, he doesn't start. Oh no, they adjust it, don't they? Mm. He doesn't start Shield. No, he starts the um, Avengers. Sliding times cut. No, he doesn't start the Avengers. Oh, I thought he did. I thought he came up with the Avengers protocol at the end of Captain Marvel. Or whatever. Oh, you're talking about the MCU now. MC, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yeah. I haven't read the comics, Rob. That's the entire point of this show. Well, we were just talking about the comics. Yeah, but anyway. also, ugh, damn it. Secret Invasion is the first MCU project to feature a character with a Welsh accent. London-born Kingsley Benadir, who plays Gravik, was inspired by the community of Butetown in, Gar- in Cardiff. We were looking at different places he could be from. Obviously, Birmingham had been done. Peaky Blinders did it, so that didn't work. There's a mixed-race community in Butetown, and I just thought that might be a nice way in. It's a large Caribbean community with a military history too, so I started speaking to people from around there to figure out the character. 
he this lovely lad Kingsley. He does a hell of a lot better job doing a, doing a sort of Welsh accent than he did during a Birmingham accent in Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. He's one of the West Midlands war criminals, as far as we're concerned. Um, <laughs> turn up in that blooming show. Um, now this led me to a theory that I texted to you the other day. Yeah, when I was halfway through episode this is, three. This is brilliant. This theory because I was like that. That's the fella from Peaky Blinders, and he was attempting a Birmingham accent in that, and now he's attempting a Welsh accent. Welsh is a weird accent it to is. do. And Talos has got a weird accent as well, one of them Australian New Zealandy fellas, Antipodeans. He's got, that, he's got that kind of voice. He's kind of. I can't. I've been trying to do his you voice. You can't, no. I've been trying to do it. It's like, it's not low, it's not high, and it's gruffly, and it's like, oh, it's weird. It's a, it's a fascinating what, voice. What I discovered is that. And for a time period, it was uh, every single scroll we see mm-hmm. has a non-Northern American accent. Yeah, and I went through all of them. Um, uh, Amelia Clark's doing her English, mm. uh, and we've got the Antipodean, we've got the Welsh, then we've got um, uh, an India, a British Indian, or Indian British, mm. um, and so we've got all that going on. And I was like, "Ah, oh, this, this is it. Then this is what they're doing." Like, so every person with a non-American, North American accent is possibly or is a scroll, which throws Olivia Coleman's character into question. I thought I'd hit upon something really key and brilliant, and then I realised one of them's definitely American, and we hear him with an American accent. The, the fox, the, um, the the not the fox, fox news, news guy. Because I yeah. said that to you. I went, "Wait a minute, him from Happy Gilmore." <laughs> yeah, shooter. Yeah, shooter Gavin. Yeah, it's a shame because it was a good theory. But it, I, very I, good I, theory. I, I love that theory, but unfortunately, it's, it's rubbish. I, I'd have. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, it's rubbish, and you're a garbage person. Yeah. So, <laughs> so leave the podcast forever. Um, but it's quite, it's quite an interesting thing to do from a production standpoint. If you take your main audience is going to be American. Yeah. American. If you have your aliens mm. have all kind of foreign accents then it, it perhaps works to highlight or accentuate because there's no reason for kingsley to be to be anything other than he could have a normal london accent no no he actually had a, a map to pick, of, he, had, to pick he, a, he had a map of the british isles on a dartboard <laughs> that's how he picks his accent oh, well, Lancashire. <laughs> when you're not really doing the accent, it doesn't really matter because he slips in and out of it so often. Flipping heck. It's like seeing Dominic West in The Wire slipping. <laughs> I always thought Dominic West in The Wire was really, really good. Oh, I know he's like got great actor. He's not, but he's not, not Idris Albert good, but it was really good. Well, no, no, but it's like because uh, obviously I'm listening to another podcast about it. It's like he's not doing a Baltimore accent. Very few people in that show get the Baltimore accent just right. But anyway, uh, um, that reminds me of thing, like, because subconsciously, if you're an American or Western audience watching a show and the bad guys or the others are basically playing European, not, yeah, that kind of thing, you subconsciously go, oh, they're others, they're different. It remind, the only the thing that I uh, think of when I think that is uh, the original Blade Runner film and the music is very Middle Eastern-y in places. To give you that almost that otherworldly feel, like the future is a completely different country, almost. Which I, mm. I, I, that was my theory why they use that kind of music, and it works because it makes it feel like a faraway place. In uh, the uh, French Connection two, oh yes, um, uh, Popeyes in France. Mm. Um, and there are no subtitles for any of the French speaking. Yes, yeah. so you, as the audience member, feel just as out of place on a foreign land Excellent. as Popeye does. Excellent. Um, very good use. Very good use there of um, languages and brilliant, voices. Brilliant films too. Anyway, finally, 
Richard Newby at Empire Magazine gave the series four out of five stars, feeling that it was a riveting, tense drama that gives its actors with weighty material and encourages its audience to look beyond the sheen of superheroism. Newby, Newby, sorry, Newby. Damn it, I, I, I pronounced his name uh, correct earlier, now I'm getting it wrong. That's my second mistake of the day. Newby found the series had taken a sharp turn from the sense of comfort of previous MCU projects, depicting mature themes such as terrorism, generational trauma, PTSD, and torture. Let's take a little trip behind the page as we examine the scrolls on the biggest stage they've ever been on, aside from Captain Marvel. Um, they first appeared in the Fantastic Four in 1962 in the second issue of the Fantastic Four, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. That makes them, Will, one of the earliest villains in the Marvel Universe. In fact, the second ever villain ever created in what we'll call the Marvel Age, which kind of starts in the first issue of the Fantastic Four. That gets a little muddy because as the Marvel Universe goes on, they fold a lot of pre-Marvel characters into the Marvel Universe. Uh, so yes. Red Skull yep. is created in the 40s, but, you know, Captain America isn't technically a Marvel character at the time. But I think the the Skrulls really have that standard of the second ever Marvel villains created. Um and they're shape-shifting infiltrators who can look like anyone. They can be your next-door neighbour, your your family member, your best friend, and you never know it. Mm. In fact, in the very first appearance, they impersonate the Fantastic Four. So not even your heroes, your your idols, the, the people you look up to, are safe. You're not even safe with them. The Skrulls are very clearly inspired by the Cold War paranoia, yes. which was at a fever pitch in the 60s, and the fear of communist infiltration. The McCarthy era of the 1950s was still very present in people's minds, an era when innocent citizens um, and not-so-innocent citizens were hauled in front of these televised hearings um, and had their entire lives mm. ruined, an era where the American public was repeatedly told to be on the lookout for reds who may be among them. Reds under the bed. Knew... Was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this wasn't paranoia from nowhere. There were very high-profile cases of Russian spy rings being busted in America. In the early 1950s, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were an American married couple who were convicted of spying for the Soviet Union. The FBI uncovered all their secrets and yeah. they were providing top secret information about American radar, sonar, jet propulsion engines, and nuclear weapon designs, feeding it all back um, to uh, Mother Russia. In the late 50s, another husband and wife duo, Jack Sobel and his wife Myra, were caught by the FBI and convicted on espionage charges. Um, and that those two are very key because something about they're not the loner they're not the, they were not young mm. cool you know when you think of like what would a spy be <laughs> they were n nice married couples part of the community you know neighbors like them they got lots of family lots of friends so it is that thing of that person over the road they could be a spy. What are they doing? Let's look out for them. This is the thing. It's like it, spy work isn't glamorous like this. It's 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 very 
It can be very dull. Mm. In the UK, we had the Cambridge Four. Yes. They later became the Cambridge Five, but at the time in the 50s and the 60s, just the Cambridge Four. The headlines were made as we... 1950s, as we we discovered that the Soviet Union had turned the colleges of Cambridge, which is a very affluent kind of aspirational area and um, kind of uh, end game for a lot of young people. The colleges of Cambridge have been turned into elite recruiting ground for communist spies. Mm. So the 1950s was a turbulent time. Um, is also a hotbed for UFO conspiracies um, <laughs> yes. and alleged sightings of flying saucers. Mm. The term little green men from Mars kind of first appears in the 50s and, and, and would quickly pass into common parlance. So the scrolls in the 60s, the very early 60s, just out of the 50s, they're this perfect mix of these two themes. The conspiracy theories that little green men visit Earth in flying saucers, and the fears of the Cold War, where the person who looks like one of you is actually an infiltrator, a spy, seeking to destroy your way of life, that you can't trust those people around you because you can't trust your own eyes. Um, At this point, 1962, the Marvel Universe as we know it doesn't really exist. Not yet. Marvel have yet to establish that it's a shared world of superheroes battling supervillains. And during this time, there were a lot of comics where scientists or adventurers would encounter an alien or a robot or a monster. And so the Fantastic Four, not yet superheroes, encountering their adventurers and scientists, encountering some aliens. That's a very 1950s comic book trope. It's not really very much of a Marvel theme to it yet. Um, And so it could easily have been that the scrolls were just a disposable, one-and-done, alien-of-the-month gimmick. And they could have easily kind of faded into obscurity. But then a year later, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby bring the scrolls back into the Fantastic Four and turn them into fully-fledged supervillains with exotic powers. And they make them a serious physical threat to the Fantastic Four. Um, And they would go on to then, from that point on, become key players in a series of um, Earth invasions and giant cosmic battles and wars that would suck Earth kind of into the front line. Mm. Um, And then, particularly for this, this TV series, which draws its inspiration um, from the secret invasion, we turn to the uh, the two thousands, the mid two thousands, um, and uh, after a period of not being used um, prominently for some time, the scrolls became the central threat in a major ongoing storyline: the Secret Invasion. The build up to this event played out over years mm. in the pages of the Avengers and other Marvel comics, without us knowing the scrolls were involved. Bit by bit, a conspiracy is unveiled by different key characters in the Avengers comics. Um, Nobody's sharing information, nobody knowing who to trust, who's in on the conspiracy. The build-up to the invasion is some incredible storytelling. We, we, our bonus episode this month is is the the comic book Secret Invasion, and you know yourself as we looked into it um, that that the build up to that is just incredible. Yeah, it casts doubt and suspicion on every character in the Avengers and beyond. 
Um, is your favourite character truly your favourite character, or have they been killed and replaced by a scroll? Um, the public doubts everything. Brian Michael Bendis, the writer of the Secret Invasion limited series and the chief architect of the of the storyline, said the scrolls were invented back in the day when invasion of the body snatches and the Cold War were a big part of the Marvel Universe. And we're kind of back in that now. He's talking about the year 2005, 2008. The, uh, the subtext of this story is not knowing if you can trust your friends or family. Years after 9-11, we go on a plane and start scanning mm. the crowd. We can't help it. Plus, it's every character in the Marvel Universe interacting with each other in a completely unique way. It's the biggest disaster movie the Marvel Universe have ever seen. Marvel went about promoting um, this Civil War and the Secret Invasion. Um, more like how studios would promote blockbusters um, to movies and TV shows. They leaned hard into reaching a wider audience. They had their writers and artists go out and do interviews with like Newsweek and Entertainment Magazine, Entertainment Weekly. Um, and they also leaned hard into viral marketing. Mm. Um, there's a series of very, very cool posters for the event. You've seen them, haven't you, up on our Patreon? Yeah. Where they, these photos, the, these kind of photo adverts feature they're photographs of happy American families or couples, but one of the people in the photograph has been digitally altered to look like a green scroll. And it contains nothing but the sinister phrase, embrace change. Um, and then the Marvel Comics logo is somewhere small at the bottom. And these posters appeared in comic book shops, but also in places with wider appeal, like those entertainment magazines and like billboards and stuff. Um, as Marvel pushed out this marketing of the secret invasion, like a, a, an entertainment company would push out the marketing for a new movie. And the viral marketing keeps rolling because we get an hmm. anonymous online uh, message board user called marvel underscore boy and he was on message message boards before the inter before social media message boards were the place to go and chat and discuss movies tv shows and comic books and myspace is a thing at the time but um <laughs> it doesn't have the same level of chat and conversation as message boards did yeah basically um, facebook wasn't a thing and everything was just split up into different message boards it was a wonderful time yeah um, so Marvel underscore boy was leaking plot points about the upcoming secret invasion event on message boards. Marvel comic book fans, Marvel fans were losing their mind. They're going mad. They were, they were getting uh, excited about things or they were getting angry about things, but they were talking about it. Except this all turned out, they've never, I don't know if they've ever officially admitted it, but it 100% definitely was not, uh, an, an, an anonymous person who stole secrets from Marvel. This was Marvel's marketing department. This was an online viral campaign similar to the, the, the likes of the Blair Witch Project to get people talking about Secret Invasion. I distinctly remember there being a lot of interaction in message boards from marketing companies for movies and TV shows and things like that back in the day where they would pose as a member of the public um, and post these things and get you talking about it. And there'd be a staff of them working away. Marvel's most successful viral marketing effort for Secret Invasion used MySpace, 
where they set up an account of a seemingly normal girl named Kinsey um, who began posting video blogs on her profile. Now, her video blogs were short and they were about the mundane details of a teenage girl's life, like not getting asked to prom and things like that. But they also, and amongst these video blogs, she would talk about how her brother was acting strange. And in every blog, every video, the brother's behavior got stranger and more sinister (laughs) with no explanation. And at the very end of this series of very creepy blog videos, we, we see that, that Kinsey's brother is actually a scroll, but there was no connection or tie into Marvel from the outset. This person was just purporting to be a regular girl. Um, and it really worked. Uh, there's cool. no the, the the whole thing was was uh, Kinsey was actually uh, Meg Sherlock, who was the girlfriend of Marvel's Marvel dot com editor Ben Morse, and they set this whole thing up. Um, yeah, the, uh, it's almost like creepy pasta. I love it. Yeah, yeah. They they set this 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 uh, this profile up, and they they got a lot of traction with eighteen to twenty two year old. Um, women in and men in the tri-state area. So lots of teenagers were getting in on this. Um, a significant number of women were discovering Marvel Comics for the first time through Kinsey's videos. Um, and, uh, yeah, that eventually spun off into an online webcomic where you could follow what happened next with Kinsey in a series called Home Invasion. Um, and this marketing campaign worked. Secret Invasion was easily the best-selling comic book in the world in 2008, um, beating the uh, Final Crisis series that DC Comics was putting out at the same time. Wow. Um, Marvel and DC were going head-to-head at this time. I was buying everything and reading everything, <laughs> loving everything. It was amazing. Um, and this this was part of like this new golden age at Marvel Comics where Marvel was telling fighting to tell stories that they've never told before and doing it by completely changing the status quo of their shared universe. It started with House of M where aside from the the alternate reality period mm-hmm. in the middle um they remove virtually all the mutants from the world to start telling X-Men stories where what are the X-Men stories when they're an endangered species, when there's no mutants left and they're dying off? Civil War turned the Avengers into wanted criminals on the run. Something, stories that had never been told before. And Secret Invasion starts by turning every character against each other in a fog of suspicion and conspiracy. One of the most unique and interesting approaches to a major superhero event we've ever seen. Look, there's no getting around it. You're not doing the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. That's just, it's inescapable at this point. It's inescapable. We can't get away from the fact that you out there listening right now, you're not doing the right thing. The right thing to do is to support this podcast, is to contribute, is to be part of our little community, to give back, to support these shows. These episodes do take a huge amount of time, work, effort, blood, sweat, tears, fights, breakdowns, both physical and mental. Um, 
And in exchange, we need from you a commitment to be here, a commitment yes. to work with us, a commitment to keep us in the game. Because um, if you're not financially contributing to this community, you just don't matter. Um, the people that do matter, big shout out to Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Bastabier, Sam, Bindi, Sue P, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q. Ooh, woo. Those are the world-class wrecking crew. Those are the people that give so much it starts to hurt. But they give every month and they say, we deserve this pain. We need this. We want to give so much it hurts because Marvel versus Marvel deserves that kind of contribution. In exchange on Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, there are 74 bonus episodes available to you right now right now this month we release our deep dive into secret invasion it's over two hours long the we're, we're dealing with tons and tons and tons to do with the tv show today the tv show doesn't scratch the surface does it will no no it, it's 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 not going to scratch you need to get deeper dive deeper beneath the skin it's just it's completely different to the comic book series yeah and we give you that full deep dive onto the Secret Invasion um, Avengers event, two hours long, on Patreon. Uh, it's a time where the Marvel Civil War has left the superhero community more vulnerable than ever. Friend turns on friend. The Avengers are wanted criminals. Tony Stark's hunting them down. In the middle of all that, the Skrulls and their Secret Invasion wrapping up the Avengers and everyone else in a grand conspiracy it's incredible it's one of our best episodes yet tackling one of the best marvel stories i can remember a deep deep dive into the stories that have inspired this tv series we're looking at today um how did like what like without giving anything away storyline wise will i know that you <laughs> enjoyed an awful lot of what happened there and it was very twisty turny and you enjoyed that yes 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 i, I enjoyed that a lot it's I, I I just I just enjoy the thing where it's like you know there's going to be twists, but you, you they're going how is this going to end? I don't know how this could possibly end. And it's interesting to have, and you know, a lot of the major Marvel adventures stories and events they're they're route one. They're kind of like you know the good guys, you know the bad guys, yep. and they have a fight. This was not that. This was this was. You don't know who to trust, and we kept bumping into that, didn't we, throughout the the episode? Yeah, we, I, I, there was a God. There was so much insanity at one point. I I was convinced, like, no, that's definitely Hugh. That's definitely not a scroll. And I got frustrated <laughs> when you pulled the rug from under me. I was like, no, I was hoping that would be the case. How dare you? That is our big, big deep dive for July. Secret Invasion. Um, we've got thirty-eight full-length bonus episodes. Can you believe we've done thirty-eight? Will we've 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 been going a while, mate. Thirty-eight full-length bonus episode, deep dive episodes. Um, plus, you get access to thirty-two mini shows. That includes our obscure Marvel series we do every month, where me and Will have fun with a wild, wacky, uh, obscure Marvel character or story that we just can't believe was actually published. Um, this month, we looked at the boomerang. Who fights people <laughs> using frisbees? Um, he also manages 
to bluff his way. The army are about to shoot him because he's thrown boomerangs at them and like stopped their 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 jeep. And the army pull up their guns and they're about to shoot him and he can't stop them. He's only got boomerangs. And he basically says to them, you can't shoot me, I've only got a boomerang. <laughs> and the soldiers go, no, yeah, to be fair, he has only got a boomerang. Put your guns down, lads. And then he beats them all up. It's like a successful uh, version of that bit in the first <laughs> Batman film where Joker goes, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, and you also get early access to every main show. Most podcasts give you early access 24 hours ahead we give you three days three days early access you get every main show on a friday so that's what you can get in exchange for doing the right thing for supporting this community and for a limited time in july you can now get a seven day free trial patreon have only just let people do this we jumped on it we want you guys to check out the bonus content we've got enjoy it see how things work you drop us messages, chat to us, all of that on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You can explore all our bonus shows from the mega deep dives to the fun mini shows. Seven days of MVM bonus content for free. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel and look for the VIEP tier. That's got the free trial on it. That's what we want you to do. We also want you to come back, because on the other side of this break, we're going to take our deep dive into Nick Fury and the Secret Invasion. (laughs) 